Nicholas Downs here, Constantine. I have to say, um, to date, it's probably one of the best on-set experiences that I've had working on a film. And uh, I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to be like going into it because, you know, you're working with big A-list actors and uh, a big director, Francis Lawrence. And so I just went in both feet first, but it was such an amazing, amazing experience. We actually shot the scenes that I was in over on, on the University of Southern California on the, their library. So in that scene, when you see the big fireplace, it's actually a big real fireplace. You could pretty much like walk right into that fireplace. And um, so when I got there, um, you know, I didn't know what to expect 100%, but then when I got onto set, it was just amazing. Keanu Reeves was incredible, Rachel Weiss, and um, a real standout for me, even though those people are amazing, was Tilda Swinton. I'm not as sure if you're familiar with a lot of her work, but I had just seen her movie, The Deep End. And so her and I actually spent some time on set talking about that film. And she gave me like the back history of that, of how that film all came about. And I got to meet her kids when they were on set. Um, she was just wonderful. And everyone was really incredible. Rachel Weiss was incredible, very giving. Um, one thing that really stood out to me too was whenever I was on set working, a lot of times you hear stories about, you know, big A-list actors who won't be there to give their lines to you when it's your turn to be on camera. They'll just have somebody else reading the lines off camera. It, it happens. But what happened was Rachel and Keanu, they just stood right there and, and were right there with me acting the whole time, which was just really like a nice experience and um, not always super common, but, but just a real true testament to who they are as people. And at the end, you know, Keanu came up and gave me a big hug and said it was really great to work with you. And, and so that was just such a wonderful experience and um, something that will stay with me forever. Um, I love that, that there's like this ongoing fan base that, that stays with this film and has always been with it. And it's, it's really wonderful and it's great to have people reach out. And I guess maybe some uh, parting advice that I might have for you is um, don't go out there. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. Really appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. Super excited to kick off the new year. Uh, before we get into tonight's legendary blood donor review, just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Everything about our podcast is on our website. All of our episodes and interviews from episode one to the weekly release. Brian has done a great job with our website. It looks amazing. Everything is set up perfectly. And we've done some amazing interviews in the past with Horror Legends. Go to our interviews tab. Check that out. You know, it's a lot easier to find those interviews on there instead of scrolling through hundreds of episodes on Spotify or iTunes, etc. We also have a store. We have some new T-shirts, some new tumblers. Uh, we have some like mouse pads. I have one of those at work. Rip your favorite podcast. You know, we'd love to see that. Shan's Etsy page is attached as well. And I'm also going to give a shout out to our social media links, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok. Like us, subscribe us, follow us, all that good stuff. We love interacting with our fans. We love meeting new people. And we love growing this podcast. You know, we're almost to, we're like 105 away from 1,000 on YouTube. That's awesome. We're almost to seven, what was it, 700, I think, on Twitter. So, you know, connect with us. We love interacting with you. 
And the last thing we shout out on our website is our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. We have two different kinds. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. None of that money goes into our pockets. It just it just goes directly back into the podcast. It helps us, you know, use the the best recording platforms. What we used to make our YouTube videos, et cetera, et cetera, renting movies, you know. None of it is free. So we really appreciate any financial contribution, especially in these super tough economic times. We totally get that. Or if you're a big fan of a movie and you want us to review it like we're doing tonight, that option is available as well. Just check out our website, don't go out there.com. All right, tonight is really big fan of the show, Matt Sears, blood donor. I think he's a two-time blood donor, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, shout out to Matt Sears. He's been he's been a listener since we started this podcast, so I can't thank him enough for that. And tonight we're doing his his choice of Constantine. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't seen this movie until we picked until Matt picked it. And no offense to you, Matt, it's just not my kind of movie. Honestly, I like demon movies, obviously, but this one just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I won't. I don't have a high rating. I'm just going to spoil it now. But it isn't like a Halloween ends kind of bad rating, like where I hate the movie. It's just not my kind of movie, if that makes any sense. It's just not my preference. So I don't have anything bad to say about the acting or the way it looks or anything. It's just, it's just not something I want to watch personally. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Brian, you want to go next? Yeah, I I think the movie's fantastic. Um, you know, and I know it's a quote comic book movie. Which, by the way, I have a question after we all go for Mike, uh, kind of along those same lines. Um, but I, I know it's a DC property, but it doesn't feel like that to me. Uh, I think it's a very well written mystery. Uh, I don't think it relies a lot on the uh, a lot or all on the action sequences like most comic book movies do. I mean, even Blade. When we reviewed Blade, don't go out there. Com by the way. Uh, there's a comparable property, I think, uh, Blade. Um, you know, being R-rated and yet also a comic property. But, you know, even that one, as much as I love it, doesn't have as strong as a story as I feel like that this one does. Uh, I think Kevin Brobin did a fantastic job adapting Alan Moore and uh, Stephen Bissett's Hellblazer comic book story. Uh, they changed the name so there wasn't any confusion with Hellboy or, funny enough, its original title, Hellraiser. Um, and I, I love Keanu Reeves. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. Uh, I said that when we did Knock Knock. Free fucking pizza. Um, actually, between that and twist his dick. I wonder if people think I have Tourette's just randomly and during the, <laughs> during the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I love the anti-hero aspect of this character, just how unique this movie is. It definitely has that uh, noir aspect to it in places, which I love so much as well. And just a little fun fact, producer Lauren Schuler Donner is the wife of original Superman helmsman Richard Donner. Uh, all right. So <laughs> this movie is interesting to me because I think it's a tale of two halves. Like I really enjoy the first hour of this movie. Like I think it's a really interesting story they're trying to tell. And I think Keanu Reeves, the character of John Constantine is really damn good. He, he, he does a great job. You know, he just kind of plays a smart Alec badass really well. Um, and I, I, I'm in with the character. I'm in with the cast, but then around the, about the 50 minute mark left of the movie. So about the hour and 10 minute mark, it, it, it starts to take a turn to being kind of over the top and a little bit, not campy, but like some of the CGI I think is pretty bad. I think that kind of brings it down, but the story loses me um, for whatever reason. And, you know, I, I, I know this will surprise a lot of people, but I actually do enjoy the first half and I enjoy the angel demon storyline. Like, like I think it's really good. 
it's a creative idea, but it doesn't stick its landing to me. It, it just goes a little off the rails. It gets a little wild and crazy for me. As someone, and I know we have a lot of wild and crazy stuff on this show. I mean, we as as Dustin often says, and he's right. You like a dream warrior that that kills people in their dreams and has you know razor blades for a hand. Like that's not believable either. Yes, that's totally true. But there's just some stuff towards the last. 45 minutes of the movie. I, I think it's just a little over the top. It's a little campy. Uh, and the story kind of loses it for me. Like, I like all the stuff with the sisters, the twins, all that stuff I think is really well done. But at the end of the day, the movie to me doesn't stick its landing. I am glad I finally, like, I am glad it's a movie I got to watch, though. Like, I, the, 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 this is not a movie I would ever seek out on my own. And, Matt, you did what a lot of people cannot do, and that's find a first-time watch for me. That's... I, I'd never even heard of this movie until you picked it. So good for you. <laughs> and uh, that's hard to do. And I enjoyed half of it. So that's a pretty good mark as well. I love this movie. Um, seen it years ago and then uh, re rewatched it a few months ago and rewatched it again for this. Um, you know, Keanu Reeves, my favorite actor. Uh, it's got another one of, I won't say he's one of my favorite actors, but I think he's se severely underrated. Uh, actors and Shia LaBeouf. Um, he brings a nice comedic touch to his role, his character. Um, the support cast is supporting cast is great. I like the storyline. Um, I like the uh, you know the character of Constantine. And I'll be honest, I saw this movie a long time before I ever knew that it was DC. So um, you know. That to me is the mark of a movie that doesn't rely on typical comic book movie tropes is because I didn't even realize it until way after the fact. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that Matt picked this as well. It was on my list to pick eventually anyway, because um, I enjoy it so much. So, uh, Brian, you and I are going to bring up the composite score today. Oh, no doubt. Hey, before you go again, Nico, I got a question for Mike, mostly. Um, Dustin and I have been, both been pretty vocal about liking comic book movies and believing in the demon and angel stuff. Uh, Nico doesn't like comic book movies for the most part. So, Mike, you're kind of the outlier in that you don't like comic book movies, nor do you believe in the demonic aspect. So I think you're kind of the perfect one to ask this. I liken this movie in a lot of ways to The Conjuring. Like, what are your thoughts on that? You mean as in, well, that, that's what I say. I, I, I like the first half because I feel like it's, I know they go to hell and stuff. Like I get all that, but some of it's more grounded in realism. Like the, the story, there's a you know, there's a detective and like trying to figure out how her sister committed suicide. Like all that stuff, I'm really invested, and in. I think they do a great job. It's just when it gets to like the the you know, this person's a demon and these half breeds, and and you know, he's shooting up a room full of demons. Like it just starts to get a little too over the top for me personally, more so than The Conjuring does, which. Now I now I criticize Conjuring too because there's some over the top stuff in that movie that I think doesn't hold up well for my liking. But if you're asking me now, I will turn on an Angel and Demon movie before I would turn on a comic book movie. I will say that. Mike, I don't know what's in the water, but I actually agree to, with a lot of things you said. Uh, oh it's God, kind of, not again! Not again! <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of around the like the scene where Constantine and Angela go onto the street, like kind of after that's where kind of like I'm, I'm losing interest. Like I'm, I'm into it. And yeah, then it, I'm like, <laughs> then it's like, it it's just really goes weird off the cliff. Right. Yeah. Like it's kind of the scene. 
for me, where she, where she comes out of being submerged in water. It's almost like the movie changes its tone or something for me. Like I can't quite figure out. Now, that wasn't – I know Brian made a joke in our group chat. That was not my stopping point at lunch. It was a little bit after that. So <laughs> I did watch this on my lunch break halfway, and I watched the second half later. But I did actually enjoy the first half more for a lot of reasons that I'll get into. But, I mean, it's not a bad movie. Kind of like uh, Nico said – I have a higher score than Nico, I think. As usual, I give it a high score, even though I don't like it because I feel bad. But <laughs> eight point seven five for Mike coming in. <laughs> absolutely not. I, I can tell you that right now. Absolutely not. But I am excited. I got to see it. It's something I would not watch on my own, which I know that's the reason Brian loves doing this show because occasionally you get a movie you're like, why would I ever watch this? And then we're forced to watch it, and like, oh shit, this was pretty, you know, interesting. I, I would call this movie interesting more than good. All right, guys, any more opening thoughts before you just jump into a scene by scene? All right, let's do it. He who possesses the Spear of Destiny holds the fate of the world in his hands. The Spear of Destiny has been missing since World War II. We're in Mexico now, and we see some scavengers looking through dirt <clears throat> as a wood floor breaks. The man reaches in and finds the Spear of Destiny all wrapped up. He grabs the spear and hears something around him. He takes off walking and is hit by a speeding car. The car is totaled, but the scavenger is unaffected and runs off. Title card. When an apartment, as a mother goes into her daughter's room, she falls to the floor, seeing her in the corner of the bedroom ceiling upside down. John Constantine arrives. He lights a cigarette as Father Hennessy tells him, I think I found you one. He says, I called you as soon as I couldn't pull it out myself. John walks the hallway full of onlookers. He goes into the possessed girl's room, puts down the cigarette and opens the shades and window. He puts an emblem into the sun and gets on top of the woman. This is Constantine, asshole, he tells the demon in her. He presses the emblem to her forehead, burning her as she convulses. He listens close as the demon strikes at him through her neck. He says he needs a mirror at least three foot high. He breaks out the glass and we see Chaz in the car talking to himself in the rearview mirror. John yells out to move the damn car. He backs it up some as the others bring the mirror in. They hold the mirror over her and John begins to speak in Latin to her. She grabs his throat and gets a demon to show itself into the mirror. He shoots at the bird as they pull the mirror out the window. It falls to the ground below, shattering, freeing the girl from the demon. He grabs his cigarette, walking out the room. He sees a drawing of the Spear of Destiny. John tells Father he needs some help. He says the exorcism wasn't right. Anything unusual, let me know, as he takes the necklace from Father Hennessy. Chad says, why didn't you tell me to move the car further? He drops Constantine off at his apartment. He lights another cigarette. Angela is at church making her confession. I killed a man today, another one. I didn't even see his face. She's back home as we hear more of her confession. We find out she's a police officer. She asks if she's someone damned. You mustn't let your faith get overshadowed by guilt, says the father. Her sister Isabel wakes up when she hears her name called. She gets out her bed and runs to the roof of the hospital she's in. She sees a mark on her wrist and removes her hospital band. She jumps off the roof to her death as she lands in a pool of water. Angela wakes up in terror. Constantine spits up blood and sweating profusely. He's frustrated he's going to be done in by smoking cigarettes. The doctor says this is aggressive as he lights another cigarette. She tells him to prepare, make arrangements. He says, no need, I already know where I'm going, as he walks out. Angela walks up to the crime scene as the other detective asks for the room to be cleared. Angela sees her dead sister. She doesn't believe she jumped off the roof. Isabel wouldn't kill herself, period. John doesn't hold the elevator for her. 
We see the scavenger continue to trek through the desert as he leaps over a barbed wire fence, clinching the spear of destiny as we see livestock collapse. Beeman walks into the room with John and gives him some holy water, some hissing bugs. He tells John to be careful with the dragon breath. Beeman asks, what's the action? He pulled a soldier through a girl. He tells him to check the scrolls. He gives him cough suppressant on the house. Chaz asks, how much longer? He's the apprentice. John exits the car and goes into a library. Angela says, he's rude no matter where you are, huh? John speaks with Gabriel now. The father tells Angela it's considered a mortal sin. He kisses her cheek and walks away. John tells Gabriel he's, he's seeing unusual soul traffic. Gabriel asks if he's trying to buy his way into heaven. He says, I never asked for this curse. Gabriel says, everything you've ever done was for you. He tells her she should go to hell, half-breed. He says he didn't go to church enough, pray enough. She says he will die young for smoking 30 cigarettes a day since he was 15. You're fucked. Outside, John lights a cigarette and walks off, and Chaz tries to stop him. All right, Brian, that's the opening set of scenes you got. What'd you think? Okay, so right off the bat, this Spear of Destiny storyline, I think is the weakest part of this movie. Um, you know, there was a lot more explanation on this, I think, in the original story. You know, it, it also being known as the, the Spear of Longinus, which, which was the name of the centurion who pierced Christ's side during this crucifixion. Uh, but I know a lot of that got left on the cutting room floor, and I'm okay with that to an extent. But I felt like what was left wasn't enough for me to justify being in the film. Uh, I think that could have been cut or, or definitely done differently. Um, you know, we talked about Keanu, of course, at the start of this. But I wanted to also touch on the character of John Constantine as well. Uh, in the comic, he has blonde hair and is actually drawn to look like Sting, the the singer, not the wrestler. Uh, but even if Keanu Reeves is just playing Keanu Reeves here, which he is, that shit works perfectly for me in this character. Um, and Dustin touched on him, Shia LaBeouf. Actually, me and Dustin were talking about him a little bit the other night, too. Uh, I think Shia is a tremendous actor. You know, I think his off-screen antics can probably be attributed to the child actor thing that's plagued so many, but... I've always loved his performances on screen, and, and this one's no different to me. Uh, he does add a sense of lightness to this pretty dark movie. I kind of hesitate to call him comic relief, but I do think that he is does just enough to not be annoying and be a really good addition. Uh, you know who he reminds me of in this to an extent? Devereaux White's Argyle in the first Die Hard, That's, <laughs> except with a bigger role. Um also want to give props to, to Stan Winston Studios and their special effects artists. I think the makeup on everyone throughout looks absolutely tremendous. And yeah, it's 2005, so the CGI isn't perfect. But also it doesn't do enough for me to take me out of it and for it to be an issue. Um, I think there are some great shots throughout. So props to Francis Lawrence and cinematographer Felipe Rousselot. Um, you know, in a big movie with a lot of CG, it could kind of get lost in the shuffle. And shots like that... You know, at the four-minute mark here, there's, there's a close-up of John putting his lit cig- cigarette on the side of the table. You know, something so simple, but I thought it was tremendous. Actually, a little tidbit about that. There wasn't a lens that could focus that tightly back then, so they created a fake cigarette the, the size of a cigar and shot it from a greater distance to kind of get that shot. And I'm glad they fought for that shot. I think it's beautiful. And the last thing I want to say is Tilda Swinton playing Gabriel. I think it's perfect casting. I mean, obviously, this is before she blew up with being the ancient one, the MCU, and so much others. But um, it's it's just it's like the look of Gabriel was just lifted from some old Renaissance painting or something. I mean, besides Lucifer, who I'll get to, obviously, this may be the best casting of the entire movie to me. Um, and the scene I, I think with Reeves in the church, 
and her is so well done. It's it's not only amazingly acted, but it gives you the the backstory and the reason why Constantine's the way he is, and you know why he does what he does. I just I love this set of scenes. Yeah, I mean, I man, I'm in lockstep with you. I really like this opening set of scenes quite a bit. Like it it pulled me in. It made me very interested in the story. Uh, you, you know this, you know the. All the stuff with the spear, I would probably just left on the cutting room floor. Like, if you're going to cut the backstory of it, then I would have just probably cut it all together. Because it is the least interesting part of the film to me. Um, now, there's a good shot, you know, with holding the spear that kind of comes up from behind. Like, you know, you mentioned some of the cinematography. There's some really good cinematography. You're dead on about that in this movie, including the cigarette shot that you already mentioned. But here's the thing. All this is leading to what I think is maybe my favorite scene in the movie is this opening with Keanu Reeves right here and him exercising the demon from this little girl. Like, I think it's a great scene. I think the creativity to have it kind of trapped in the mirror and get the mirror out of the room. Like, I love that scene. I think it's it's well shot. I think the CG looks good in that scene for the most part. Uh, really do like that. Like, I, I love the way it kind of tells him to move the car and gets the, you know, the uh, the mirror out of the window like that is some really good stuff. Again, has me has me interested in where this story is going. Then you get to the all the stuff with with John and Gabriel, and it's again more interesting story. Which when you ask about the Conjuring, that's where I link it in my brain uh, is the fact that both of those movies have a good story that can hook me. Aside from angels, demons, ghosts, all that stuff, like it has an, a thorough line or like a through line throughout that I'm like, Oh, that's, that's really good stuff. And like why John Constantine is the way he is. We learn about him. We learn what he's been through. Uh, and this whole, you know, battle for, you know, keeping everything even on heaven and hell and all this stuff, really interesting way to write a movie. in my like, to me, this is very unique outside the box as far as this kind of movie never been done before. So I really like this opening set of scenes for that. Um, the casting, you mentioned it, Tilda Swinton. She's great, um, and man, I, I, I'm just a fan of this whole arc that we get here in the opening set. So when I say that the movie has like a stopping point where I enjoy it, it's definitely not here. It's 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 really good stuff here in the beginning. Yeah. Um, first off, I feel like if that spear had been missing for like 60 years at this point, someone would have found it by now. If that's just where it was, it's like barely buried under the surface, under the surface, and he just happened to step through the top of the box uh, when he stepped through the ground there. Someone would have found it by, you know, between World War II and 2005. But, um, but no, I completely agree about it being the weakest part of the storyline, just because not enough was done to number one set it up, and number two show us the significance throughout the movie. It's just like a subplot that we do, that doesn't really matter until the end of the movie. And the whole movie, I'm just thinking, what's going on with Manuel? Where's Manuel? Why, why did they show us that uh, for, the, for the most part? But um, pretty creepy stuff with old girl up in the corner of the room like she's Spider-Man. Uh, lets us know what, what, kind of, what kind of stuff we're dealing with in this movie early on. So uh, I like that. And then... We get introduced to our guy, Pruitt Taylor Vince. Man, he's becoming a recurring star on our show by now. This is the third movie we've done that he's been covered in the past month and a half or so. Uh, shout out to him. I thought he did a great job in this movie as well. But, uh, man, John Constantine. 
no-nonsense kind of guy. I feel like if Emily Rose's parents had called him instead of Father Juntao, she might still be alive. Because right. he just walked That's in. That's fair. That's a much better. Spelled yeah, the demon. Beat the cigs. shit out of it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, he, he was ripping cigs, put a cigarette down, went over and expelled the demon, picked a cigarette back up and finished it. I mean, that's because they didn't offer him free fucking pizza. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Say less. <laughs> um, but man, I thought the, the effects throughout this movie were fantastic, especially for the time. But, you know, for the most part, I thought they held up really well. Um, we get some good effects with the demon being uh, sucked into the mirror like that. I, like I thought that was, that was just a cool optic. Um, and then this got to be the least secure mental health facility ever. She's in, she was committed to the hospital because she's, you know, quote unquote crazy. And she just walked out of her room, got to the roof, took a leap without anyone even noticing that she was gone. And uh, I thought, I thought they did a good job. Uh, it was a nice little, touch they added where uh you know angela woke up right as isabel died or committed suicide because number one it's like was that a dream was that real uh but number two it sets up what they were talking about what um constantine was talking about later in the film when he's like you share a connection like you can feel each other you can sense each other's thoughts and so i thought that was a, a nice touch there to show the connection between the twins um and then we circle back around to manuel here and uh, there's actually a term. So as he's walking through that field, you know, and all the cows fall over dead, there's actually a term for that. When the when the cows all fall over dead, they call that ground beef. You're welcome. Um, then, <laughs> I quit. I quit. <laughs> Fuck this. Nice. It's been yeah. so long since we've had a dead. I love it. Fuck this fucking yeah, show. Yeah, you're welcome. God damn it. But, um, man, and then, you know, when Constantine goes and meets Gabriel, talk about a bleak outlook here. You're going to die and go to hell. You're fucked. Like, <laughs> all right. like, what's his incentive here? Now, I get what what she's saying. Like, you've never done anything for anyone else in your entire life. Like, you live a selfish life. Even when you are out doing these things that you're blessed with, like, it's a gift. Even when you're out doing it, you're not doing it because it's the right thing to do. You're doing it to try to buy your way into heaven. So I think that they do a great job right there explaining his uh, conundrum and setting up the finale. Absolutely. Like, they set up yes. the finale of the movie right there. And uh, so overall, though, I think it's a fantastic open. We got a lot going on already. It's action packed from the start. We got a great cast. We got some good acting. I think all the dialogue's good. So uh, no complaints at all so far. Our Hennessy is hearing voices as he looks through newspaper articles. He hears the name Isabel and finds her article. Angela watches the security footage and she hears Isabel say the name Constantine and she writes it down. Her phones all begin to ring. John exits the gas station, drinking the cough suppressant. He begins to cough and falls to his knees. A man asks if he has a light, and it's a demon who attacks him. The demon says he should have minded his own business. The demon is hit by a car as he stomps on the bugs in the middle of the street. Chaz follows him to midnight. Chaz begs John to get him into the bar. John reads the card the card right and is gained access, but Chaz has refused. John gets some awkward looks as he walks through the bar. John walks into midnight's office. He asks him if he has any relics to sell. He tells John his health is bad for other reasons. He's the one soul Satan would come up himself to collect. He tells Midnight a demon attacked him in broad daylight. I need to use the chair, John says. John says this isn't usual. Something's coming. Balthazar walks in and John says he'll deport him now. Balthazar says the rumor is he's on the way down. John begins to cough and runs out the bar. 
He's back home, smoking and drinking again. He traps a spider in a cup and fills it with smoke. Knock at the door, it's Angela. She asks for him to listen as she flashes her badge. She tells him her sister was murdered yesterday and says she jumped off the roof at her mental hospital. She says she knows who he is and her sister was brainwashed by a legion or a cult to jump. She asks for him to point her in the right direction and he points to the door. She's a Catholic. If she kills herself, she will go straight to hell. God damn you, she tells him as she leaves. John sees bats fly past his windows and chases after her. He asks, what if God and Satan made a wager just to see who can influence humans? Angela says she doesn't believe in the devil. Suddenly, the street lights all begin to go out. Her car doors lock on their own, and they walk towards a window of a church. They hear wings and talons, he says, for her to close her eyes. He lights a cloth on fire and explodes them. Demons stay in hell, huh? Tell them that. Angela calls from the smell of sulfur. He says he doesn't think they were after me. John says, let's see if she's in hell. Angela gets him a pot of water and she puts it in front of his chair. John holds the cat and places his feet in the water. He says she has to leave. He looks into the cat's eyes. God, I hate this part. The water begins to bubble and John is now in hell. He walks towards flaming buildings and we hear people screaming below. He finds Isabel who releases her patient uh, bracelet into the wind. Demon crawlers chase after him. He catches the bracelet and Angela hears her name. She walks in, seeing his head and body smoking. He says they were twins. She killed herself, and she's damned for it. How is this possible? I need to eat, he says. All right, Brian, that's the next set of scenes I got. What would you think? So, okay, so in a two-hour movie, I know we can't get everything I want, but there's a couple of characters that are big in the comics that I wish would have gotten a little more delving into here, but I understand why they couldn't here in just one movie. Uh, one of them Hell is, you know, like Dustin mentioned, he's a show regular uh, with Pruitt Taylor Vince's father, Hennessy. You know, he's a mixture of a few characters from the comics here, but even his relationship with John, it just seems like very interesting dynamic between the two. I wish we would have been able to get, you know, a little bit more on his past. And hopefully, you know, hopefully Constantine 2 kind of blows up and we can get a prequel since Reeves doesn't age anyway. Um, you know, and the other character is Midnight. You know, the, the movie does a good job of implying that they have this long history as well. And again, something I wish they would have been able to delve a little bit more into. I mean, shout out to Demian Hounsou, who's who's an absolute legend in the business. Gladiator, Blood Diamond, um, more more recently Black Adam, Black Adam and Guardian of the Galaxy. I mean, he's also in Quiet Place 2, which we'll do soon. Uh, but my biggest takeaway from this entire set of scenes is is hell, as weird as that sounds. You know, I, I think the design is phenomenal, uh, especially the shots you get under the street where you see everyone yes. kind of be, being tormented. That's petrifying. And honestly, yeah. the best description or I'm sorry, the best depiction of hell that I think that I've ever seen, with the exception of as above, so below. Um, most most movies get cartoony, but this look is genuinely terrifying, uh, according to uh, behind the scenes commentary on the DVD. You know, the, the look of hell was was based on old footage of nuclear tests and specifically the sudden shockwave immediately after the blast um i think it looks fantastic uh, my only criticism would be that i maybe would have liked to have seen it maybe be darker um i know they went with that red tint and it really does feel hot uh but i wonder if it would have worked darker i don't know um but these demons in hell also you know they may have had that 2005 cg look a little bit to them but i love their design uh, they apparently wanted the demons to, uh, you know, seem to exist for real, and apparently the the inspiration for the design of many of them came from, you know, the art world and real life autopsy photographs instead of just 
relying on the typical medieval era depictions of demons. Um, I think Stan Winston Studio did a great job with the design. The visuals, I think, are also stunning. Uh, and the last thing I'll say, and I really, my only complaint about this set of scenes would be the demon made of bugs. Like, I'm not a fan of that sequence. Um, it looks very men in blackish to me. And that's no slight to men in black. I love those movies. It fits there to me. It just kind of doesn't really fit here. That's all. Go ahead. Yeah, you mentioned this connection with with um, John and Midnight. I think it's great. Like, I really, uh, again, same thing with Gabriel, where you kind of find out the backstory and why things are the way they are and the balance and all that stuff and how these things work. You find it from the other side now, at least a little bit. And I really like that scene as they walk through the club and down in there and you kind of see the eyes and all that stuff. Like, I think that's a really good scene and kind of learning that story. Now, you mentioned the bugs. Yeah, I would say in the opening hour or so of the movie, I think that's kind of my least favorite part. Now, it leads to kind of a cool thing where our car comes in and all that. Like, I think that's a pretty cool effect. But it's definitely not – I mean, I don't really know if it's the look or if it's just the – the lack, the like, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. Like in my brain, I'm not really sure what that is, but you also get some really good stuff with Angela and John here. Like you get a little bit more depth with the character of Angela. She's not just this detective that doesn't believe her sister killed herself. Like she has a little more to say. She has some spunk, it's just some attitude that I really enjoy. Um, also call me some time. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I meant to put that back on the shelf. Brian, you can cut it if you want, buddy. You can cut it if you want. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely not. I can't believe I did that in 2023. I got to stop doing this. I, I, I tried to leave that in 2021, damn it. Anyway, um, okay. So, but I, this scene with Hell is really, really good. Like, I, I'm with you, Brian. I love the look of Hell. I think it looks really cool. Now, the demons, we slightly disagree on just because I don't think the CGI holds up as much as you guys do. It doesn't take me out of it. It just something I noticed. I'm like, oh, that doesn't look super great. But like, it's not a big deal. It's just something that I'm like, ah, okay, that's that's just the way it is. Love the look of hell here. Um, yeah, this set of scenes kind of continues from the first set where I, I'm just really invested in finding out where this is all leading to. And I think that's the mark of why I love this first half of the movie so much because because it is building a narrative. It's building a a world around it, which I know that's kind of just what like. It's building lore, and I know that's what comic book movies do. So the fact that this movie is, you know, in like a DC property makes sense to me in, in my head now that you've said that because it's just like building story, building lore, like all that. I think that, that, that they do a really good job of um, in this movie, at least. <laughs> yeah. So very impressive reading skills from Hennessy here. Just run your hand over a page and absorb it all. Like that's I wish, buddy. I'd have graduated a long time ago. (laughs) I need that talent. Um, But it's definitely a sign of the times as uh, Angela is in her room and then all those phones start ringing. Like in 2023, it's insane to think that if, you know, it's insane to think of people having more than one phone or way to get in contact with you. Usually it's just a cell phone. So if uh, the demons wanted to call me, like it's this right here in my hand, that's the only way. But anyway. You got to love Chaz, you know, trying to get into the bar. This is what I was talking about with Shia LaBeouf bringing that comedic relief. Like, it wasn't goofy. It wasn't over the top. It's just small, subtle, and he sticks the landing. 
it's it's perfect it's like his uh like his character in disturbia um like that's what he reminds me of like there's nothing over the top that takes it to where it's flat out comedy but right. it's it's right. just enough to make you get a chuckle and, and kind of lighten the mood um exactly. and then constantine when she shows up at his house and or you know his apartment whatever and she's talking to him there what a smug a-hole. <laughs> she asked to be pointed in the right direction, and he goes, sure, and just points at the door. And this is after, mind you, this is after he told her, oh, a mental patient committing suicide? That's crazy. Like, what a dick. That's just the most insensitive thing ever. Now, I will say this, though. I actually, it was funny. That, that part's funny, but I actually dislike it a lot because of what immediately follows it. Like, as soon as she leaves, he, you know, follows her out and is like, okay, let's talk. Let's get serious about this. But she went to him for help, and then she just dismissed everything he says and says she doesn't believe in the devil or whatever. Yeah. Like, you went to Constantine for help. You, you you have to at least know what he is a little bit um, because of what you were saying. It sounds like you at least know a little bit that what, what he deals with. And then when he tries to give you a little bit of an answer, a little bit of an insight into the situation, like, no, I, I don't believe that. Like that, that's character continuity issues to me uh, on both of them, but that's okay. And then you want to talk about a hell of a party trip. Just light your fist on fire and expel hundreds of demons. Like that was awesome. Now, one of the things that I saw was that apparently, uh, according to the director's commentary on the DVD, the rag, that Constantine lights on fire uh, was a piece of Moses' shroud given to him by Beeman. Did you say that already, Brian? No, no, I was going to. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you said it. Okay. So I have a problem with that. Not because of it being Moses' shroud and given to him by Beeman. I have a problem that they didn't include that storyline in the in the movie. That would have made that yeah, no, five seconds mean so much more. I don't know why Instead, they cut it. Yeah, I don't know why they cut yeah, it. Yeah, it, it makes no sense because it, he just pulls this rag out, lights his fist on fire, and boom, the, you know, they're gone. I would have liked to know more about the nuances between what he carries and what everything, the symbolism behind all the things in the movie. Because I, I think they missed the boat by leaving so much of that out. Exactly. Um, but, okay, that's fine. That's fine. And then, hey, Dustin, that nightclub scene really felt like a scene from Blade to me didn't it i mean did it to you like whenever yes they went through it, did that i actually i didn't put it in my notes but when i was watching the movie uh yesterday just to get a refresher i was like man i know dc and marvel's like the bloods and crips like they're never going to see eye to eye but how <laughs> awesome would a constantine and blade crossover movie be <laughs> like that would be insane and it was that scene is when i thought of it because it's like this yeah. just feels like yeah that's funny you said that but um and then, so when he goes back and he's got her cat, would that whole water trick not have worked if he took his shoes off? Because there's nothing, there's like three things in life worse than having soggy shoes and socks. <laughs> and he just sticks his feet in this crock pot full of water. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> I would have had to take my shoes and socks off. That's okay. Um, and then the last thing I have on this set of scenes is I agree with you, Brian. The depiction of hell was insane. Like, especially when they went underneath the street level and you got all the bodies yeah. uh, piled up and screaming and, and everything, because it's very different than what we normally get from Hollywood as far as the depiction of hell. And it's very similar to the depiction of hell that I interpret from 
the Bible. And, you know, the preaching that I've been brought up on my entire life, like that looked quote unquote real to me. Like I know the yeah. special effects didn't necessarily look real, but like I said, for the time, I thought they looked great. But when I envisioned like what hell really is, like I thought they nailed it. Fantastic. But um, overall, it's, an, it's another good set of scenes. Just my biggest nitpick is finding out after the fact that that was Moses' shroud that he lit on fire yeah. and then finding out. Oh, okay. I wonder what else they omitted that they could have helped uh, helped us understand and grasp throughout the movie. Exactly. You know, going to hell and coming back probably dried his shoe shoes off a little bit. Maybe I don't know. The, uh, oh, that's true. Instant, that's true. Instant, instant dry, like from Back to the Future too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my man DMX did tell us it's dark and hell is hot, so I'm guessing the uh, the steam would have evaporated that water. <laughs> Father Hennessy is at the morgue and finds Isabel's body. He unwraps her and touches her. His head begins to smoke. He touches her wrist and his eyes become white. He sees the symbol on her wrist. He tries to drink from his flask as security opens the door. He runs out and into a store. He hears voices and tries to drink alcohol but is unsuccessful. Balthazar walks into the store. Father falls to the floor and grabs a corkscrew and stabs himself in the hand and wrist repeatedly. We see him on the floor dead, spitting up alcohol. John tells Angela... He sees things he shouldn't see as they eat. We see his past where he died for two minutes. Two minutes in hell is a lifetime, he says. All the things I could see was real. He speaks on half-breeds. We see Balthazar is a demon. When a half-breed breaks the rules, I deport them back to hell. She says he's trying to buy his way into heaven. Angela answers her phone, and she's at Father Hennessy's crime scene. He drowned himself in alcohol in under a minute. John takes a necklace from his pocket. Why didn't you call me, you son of a bitch? He sees his hand wound and rubs it with ice. He pats it with a napkin and sees an X. Beeman writes down the symbol on the father's palm. He tells Angela he needs to see where Isabel died. Angela tells him all the things Isabel told to her parents. They had her committed for two weeks. You don't walk off a building without leaving something behind. He grabs her and tells her she count on her to see what she saw, feel what she felt. What did she do, Angela? He screams to her, what are you afraid of? She runs off, I don't know, breathing deeply. When we were girls, we will leave each other messages in light and breath. She breathes on the window and finds a message. Corinthian goes to 21 chapters in the Bible from hell. Beeman reads out the verse. The sins of the father would only be exceeded by the sins of the son. John says the devil's son. Beeman hears a noise. He reads on Mammon as he hears more rattling. Mammon would be the last demon we want to cross over. Mammon would need divine assistance. He'd need the help of God as machines turn on. Beeman says he has faith in John as the phone disconnects. Beeman has a fly crawl out of his eye. John runs to Beeman and Angela smells sulfur. They make it to him and see him dead in his chair, covered in flies as they come out of his throat and mouth. The scavenger walks to a liquor store and he hijacks a car. Angela tells John, it wasn't just Isabel. I used to see, I used to see things as well. She says she's stronger than Isabel. I'd trade places with her if I could. She said by age 10, Isabel would have to take antipsychotics. Angela lied. She didn't see anything until one day she finally stopped seeing. I abandoned her. I left her all alone. I need to see what she saw, please. You do this. There's no turning back, he tells her. You see them. They see you. You understand. John prepares a bath and has Angela get into the tub. She asks what's going to happen. He says, lie down. You have to be fully submerged for as long as it takes. John holds her under and she looks up at him and tries to fight him off. He holds her under and a small drip of water hits the water and the bathtub explodes. Oh God, all those people, she says. 
I've always known where they were. I've always known that I could see. Someone was here, and she runs back to where Beeman died. She reaches her hand down to the grates and picks up a coin. John says the name Balthazar. John looks through all of the Beeman's relics, and Angela asks if you can just kill him as John shoots his gun. John kisses Angela as they park the SUV. He gave her the necklace and says, treat it like a bulletproof vest, and he leaves her alone in the car. All right, Brian, that's the next set of scenes I got. What do you think, brother? So this may be a hot take with all the cool deaths that are in the movie, but Hennessy's death is probably my favorite throughout. Like, it's just so different. Like, the visuals of him trying to drink but isn't able to in, in his percep- from his perception, uh, it, yet it really is pouring in. It's just, I, I thought that was very cool. Like, not only the visuals, but just the idea that's just, you know, it's just something that I haven't seen before and I really liked. Um, you know, the image of Balthazar, who I didn't say it, but when they first introduced him, I, I wasn't really a fan. Like, the, the dialogue when he said, uh, what was it, fresh meat, Kentucky fried chicken, I don't know, something something along those lines. I roll my eyes uh, at the one and only time in this movie. But moving forward, he really does, I think, really grow on me. And the scene of him just standing, watching as Hennessy stabs his hand and uh, is just sinister as hell, and I, I loved it. Um, and I haven't talked about it, but I really do think Keanu Reeves and uh, Rachel Weisz have, have great chemistry. You know, they starred together in 1996 Chain Reaction, but – I do think it's more than that. It's it's the writing too. Um, you know, things like I'm glad they didn't make them love interest to the extent of like even them kissing. Uh, I think it's a, a very good creative choice. Um, actually, we don't see her until the next set of scenes, I believe. But I'll go ahead and talk about her. But it, it's like at the hour and a half mark. But Michelle Monaghan's demon character Ellie, um, all of her scenes uh, give that one were cut. But in the comics, she's actually on on again, off again, sleeping with Constantine, and. Uh, the DVD commentary, they said they wanted him to seem more of a loner, and so that's why they didn't give him really either one of those love interests, and I really like that choice. Uh, you know, They never even filmed a scene of them kissing because Keanu and Rachel said that they were worried that they would use it. Um, and I absolutely love that little interaction, too, between, between both of them uh, before in the bathtub when she asks if she needs to undress completely, and he looks up at her, and after she, she asks again, he's like, hold on, I'm thinking. That made me crack up. I love it. And uh, and Rachel Weiss gives a tremendous performance as she gets back from hell and is laying on the floor crying and hyperventilating. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, the last thing I have is just a little fun fact around the hour mark here. John's line uh, where he says you know he doesn't want Angela to be another ghost following him around is another comic reference where he's he's haunted by the ghosts of friends who have died because of him. Uh, again, something else I would have loved to have been able to dive deeper into given the opportunity and maybe in the sequel. Yeah, uh, so this scene is pretty much the last, <laughs> the the last stopping point here for me as far as just uh, just my enjoyment of the film because I think it starts to go a little bit off the rails. But I do like the death of Hennessy. Like I'm with you, very different than a lot of the other deaths. A lot of the other deaths are just demons being shot or or beat up or stabbed or whatever. That's still not my favorite death in the film, but I do think it is at least different and tells a good story, um, which I've said a lot on this show, I know. But I love everything about Keanu Reeves and Rachel Wise here in this set of scenes. Their chemistry is real, exactly what you said. But not just that, I just really love the character of Angela. And I think she's, like you said, you mentioned them not being love interested. And I have that at the last set of scenes, but I can cover it here so I don't blabber in the last set. Where... I really like the decisions to just keep these two as 
main like co-leads. They don't have to be love interests. They're both on the same path together, but they don't have to fall in love. There's some flirtation there, which you mentioned in the scene where yes, if she needs to take the rest of her clothes off. But I really like the creative choice to not bring those two together as more than just 30 friends at the most. And I think that makes it more impactful. Like, oh, it's not it's not so cliche. Because you could see it coming a million miles away and they never go there, even with the almost kiss at the end. You know, just because you're a female lead in a movie does not have does not mean you have to be a love interest. So I really appreciate that they just kind of kept them separate in that way and they both do a great job. This bad sub scene, I really, really like it. Like, again, I don't like a whole lot after it because I think it's the tone of the film starts to change. But all the – just the the emotion that both have where, you know, once you do this, you can't go back and she decides to do it anyway and she sees everything in hell and she just – again, I love the way hell looks in this movie. And so to have her go there and kind of experience things and I really like it. Like, it's 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 – stays in the same ballpark, the same narrative, even though it's a little over the top. We've already been to hell. So, like, that's already in there. And so I like the ride that this scene takes us for. And I like, again, the acting in the tub, the facial expressions that uh, Rachel Weisz gives us is great. So, I, again, this is probably the this is probably the stopping point for me where I'm like, mm, okay, like it's the, – this is where it starts to get a little bit much for me. But I do really like – everything in this set of scenes because I think it still stays not gra- grounded in reality is not what I mean because clearly we're, you know, we're not, you know, there's some stuff here that's a little over the top anyway, but I think the movie is more grounded up until this point. And so I really enjoy it for that. Yeah. Um, I think we get some awesome effects when Hennessy wants to drink, but he can't, we think like, I, I like how he's trying to drink out of his flask and then he drops it, runs off, and we see the the liquid coming out of the flask. Then he gets to the liquor store, and uh, he's trying to drink out of every bottle, but nothing's coming out. Then when he puts it down, like that's that's brilliant. Like I I like that they showed us the demon Baltazar playing a trick on him. Like that's how demons playing a trick on his mind. He doesn't think he's drinking. He ends up drinking himself to death. That is genius to me. Um, I like the decision to give us his backstory here. Because it didn't feel forced, it didn't feel out of place. Uh, it just makes sense for him to be telling her this while he's sitting there eating. Um, you know, they could have done it like they typically do and did it at the beginning of the movie, or they could have just forced this flashback in the middle of a random scene, like a lot of movies do. But this just—I uh, thought that was brilliant timing as far as when we get his backstory and why he is the way he is. Um, now, one thing though, maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think that they let him touch and disturb the crime scene just like that, just because he's with her. Like, yeah, she's a cop, but that doesn't mean that since you're with her on this crime scene, you can just start touching the victim and, and you know, touching his hand and using an ice cube to move the blood. Like, eh, probably not realistic there. But um, then we get Beeman, his death. The fly crawling out of his eye was enough to make my skin crawl. And then when they go back to him, you see how many flies apparently did the same thing. Like that's, that's gross. Now, one thing I wish they would have done though, dude's name is Beeman. They should have had bees coming out of his eyes, not flies. I mean, it was right there, but okay. Um, Willie Beeman in a given Sunday. Let's go. Hey, Willie Beeman pukes in the huddle though. Um, Then when, when they get back 
and you know she's about to get in the tub or whatever and she goes can i keep the rest of my clothes on and he pauses he goes i'm thinking oh he just like me for real he just like me for real I'm, <laughs> actually no he's not i would have been like no it only works if you're butt-ass naked but uh that's okay <laughs> Ooh, that's gaslighting Ooh. Uh, speaking of gaslighting, no, I'm just kidding. Um, did anyone else try to hold their breath <laughs> with her, like while she was underwater? Because I tried. Man, that was a long ass time to be hey, holding. Let me breath. tell you something. You back up of holding your breath with her. You back up. Back up. Well, she takes my breath away. But um, yeah, hey, I, I thought you weren't hey. telling anyone to call you in 2023. You leaving that behind, married man? I already put it on the show. Brian's gonna leave it in. I know he will. So might as well. Even I'm single. I can be Pause. a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to do but, it. High five anyway, anyway, go ahead. Um, and then, yeah, definitely thought when they were in the car there, I thought my man was going in for the kiss, but he was just chaining her up, put that 4PF chain on her like he's a little baby. But um, I, I too, I like, Brian, that they didn't have an explicit love interest. Like, they didn't show us, at least. They left it up. To the imagination they just built that tension between the, i think the tension between the characters worked but um co- because it makes his act in the final scene i think it makes it that much more selfless uh because it's not like oh this is my girlfriend like no he's he's doing this because he genuinely cares for her as a person not just a um lover but yeah overall it's another another good set of scenes just really think they missed the mark by not having it be bb's Balthazar looks at his reflection as John walks in, throwing holy water on him. The two men begin to fight as Angel- Angela leaves the car and forgets the necklace. Balthazar is choking John against the wall until he whips out some brass knuckles with crosses on them and punches him repeatedly. We'll see you very soon, he tells John. John says he's reading him his last rites. He says, tell me how Mammon is crossing over and you can go back to your shithole. He begins reading his rites. Balthazar says he found the blood of God. Whatever killed the son of God will give birth to the son of the devil. John jumps off the table and he laughs. Balthazar says, she was my only mission. John says, Jesus was killed by a spear, the spear of destiny, she says. We see Balthazar's disintegrated body and he fades away. John asks, where's the amulet? Angela is sucked through the elevator and walls of the building. John chases after her and she's pulled into the sky. John walks into the bar, punching the security guard right in the face. He tells Chaz to wait here, and Chad her- Chaz harasses him. John pulls out the gold gun and barges into Midnight's office. I need to use the chair. Screw the balance. Midnight presses John to the wall, burning him with his hands. John says he needs his help. Consider a last request. You play a dangerous game. Midnight says he's been trying to climb out his father's shadow for eons. I'd hate to think what he'd do to this world if he ever got through. John gets a chair out, and he takes his shoes off. Midnight pours the water on the floor and hands John some alcohol. Midnight uses a lamp light bulb and ignites the alcohol on the floor. John sees a scavenger get the Spear of Destiny in his journey. Midnight asks him, any luck? Chaz walks in and is making golden bullets. Half-breeds are most vulnerable when outer layer is exposed by holy water. Chaz doesn't think it's smart for John to go on a solo mission to save the world. Midnight offers him a membership if he makes it back. We see a flying POV shot through the sky that lands where Angela is dropped off where Isabel died in the pool of water. John loads the gun up as Chad drives as Chaz drives him and they converse. They make it to the hospital. A half-breed stands up behind Angela and walks towards her unaffected by her gunshots. He drags her back into the pool. Chaz drops a cross into the water tank. 
John drops a chair in the lobby where a bunch of people are. You are in violation of the balance. I will deport you. Go to hell, he sets off the sprinklers, covering them in holy water. John begins shooting them with the gun. Back to the pool and Angela is in hell now. She hears her name whispered again as a demon walks to her. It roars as it dives towards her. John gets in the pool and finds the scavenger's body. A possessed Angela stands up behind him. Angela holds him underwater now. Chaz jumps in and helps him get her out of the water. He begins to speak Latin and she stops squirming. She turns back normal now. She tells him to get it out as we see the demon try and press out of her stomach. Chaz now begins to speak Latin and they speak in unison. John says, not bad, kid. Chaz is now pulled back and slammed into the roof and floor repeatedly. You're right, John. It's not like the book as he dies. And the next set of scenes are the ending. Uh, I got to admit, that, the last set, it's pretty hard to take notes on just because there's a lot of shit happening. And if I missed out anything, I apologize, listeners. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> Uh, right off the bat, I love the effects on Balthazar here in his half face. Uh, you can definitely see where double negative effects, who did the effects for the Dark Knight, probably got that look for Two-Face a few years later, uh, because that's exactly what this reminded me of here. Uh, also in the DVD commentary, uh, like Dustin talked about Moses' shroud, these brass knuckles were explained to have been made from gold blessed by a bishop during the Crusades. So... Yeah. Again, something really cool that would have, you know, explained a little bit more given, you know, uh, because if you're just watching it, you're like, okay, cool. He's got some brass knuckles that are branded with a cross. Okay, cool. No. You know, at least with Blade, you know, you have uh, Wessler that's, like, showing what he's making. You know, kind of like Q from James Bond and stuff like that. I don't know. Um, Another little scene I absolutely loved with Chaz, you know, after – John punches the bouncer, and you see Shia lean over and says, who's the rat in the dress now, bitch? Like, Shia's delivery of that line, I think, is perfect, and it cracked my ass up. But again, not over the top. And, uh, uh, okay, so my other little nitpick of this movie, what really is the point of this? And maybe I'm missing something, so Dustin, tell me if I am. But the chair scene, it was visually awesome, but what did that end up playing a part in? Like, it doesn't change anything like he already knows about the dagger from earlier and he shows up to, you know, the same spot where the dagger is anyway. I guess I'm not really sure like what the point of this scene was. No, I agree. I, I was confused by that too. Apparently it like from what I saw is just, it showed us that the dagger went, was going to the, where she committed suicide. Like the dagger was like, it just showed the final destination of the dagger. So he knew where to find it, I believe. But even that could be, wrong. I don't know. Seemed like a, just a way to flex their uh, visual effects muscle. Exactly. I mean, it, that's it, what it I looked, was thinking too. It, it looked, looked visually great. cool. Yeah, but, it looked great. But uh, it, to me, it just didn't add anything to the story. But anyway, um, this is a scene I was talking about earlier with Michelle Monaghan. I hate her subplot had to be cut, but I get it because the time. Um, hell, I would have been fine with a three-hour movie here. Mike, not so much. But uh, <laughs> you know, her scenes are on the DVD or Blu-ray, I guess now at this point. Uh, but, man, you know, such a fantastic scene with him just blowing everybody away. I mean, he's all out of fucking bubblegum, man, and it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> that slow motion, that slow motion in the rain, well, I guess it's sprinkler water, whatever. It looks like rain. Regardless, definitely had Matrix vibes there. Um, and I'm sure that was on purpose, being that was just a few years before. But, uh, yeah, that's all I had on this set of scenes. Another great one. Yeah, uh, again, this is where it starts to get a little crazy to me. I mean, there is some good stuff here, but and 
you know, mostly everything with Balthazar. Balthazar, sorry, I just have a hard time anything with Z's, but <laughs> um, not disease with disease, just so everyone knows. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, all of that is just like I just don't know. I haven't invested in a character enough. I don't really care that much. So when all that goes down, it's kind of eh. But I will say, I saw, I saw Angela, you know, being taken a mile away, and that's not a bad thing. Like you had, look, you you look down, and there's another 38 minutes. They're like, well, what the hell could happen for the next 38 minutes? And then that happens. So that makes sense to me. I will say, there's some stuff here I like. I, you know, I, you mentioned the chair scene. It's a little much, and it doesn't lead to a whole lot. But I really like the way it looks. Like they pulled it off really well. And I think the the that, that that's a scene where the visual effects are actually really well done. Um, I, you know, but the but the point of it doesn't really add up, except for what Dustin said, which was this is where the spear is. This is kind of final destination of it. So like, I guess that's fine. Like to get us there, I feel like there could have been a less time consuming way to do that. However, it does look cool, so I'm not really mad about it at all. And I. Really like every now. I want to say really like because it goes a little crazy. But this first part in the pool, I really like. Like I like everything with the fight scene here that we get, and just I'm jumping around because I skipped ahead. The scene where he just shoots the shit out of everybody is really fucking cool. Like it's really hard to be mad at that scene. Like it's not like interesting, but it's visually just fucking great. It reminds me of John Wick. <laughs> so like, yeah, that looks really fucking cool. So. I like that, and I like this first little part in the pool. I'm trying to be positive because <laughs> this is a little more just to the story. Like, there's a little bit more, like, good story here. You get, you know, Chaz and him working together to pull the demon out, and it works. But then you kind of, like, somebody had to die of importance, right? Like, we couldn't go this whole movie without an important character dying at the hands of these things and ends up being Chaz. And I thought that was, man, that – what was a really good choice because you couldn't kill one of these main two. So it made sense. So I like that. Like, that's fine. It's, it's, it's what happens after this that I'm like, eh, like, you know, you know, spoiler alert, but everything with like Satan and, and Gabriel, like all that, I, I, it's just a little over the top after this to me. Every time Brian makes a facial expression from reading our group chat while we're on here, I, I laugh. So I lose my place. Son of a bitch, you handsome person. So handsome. <clears throat> Sorry? Question mark. So uh, I think we get some disgusting and great effects on Balthazar's face here. Um, you know, that, that showdown was pretty pretty well done. And then once he shot and his face is in a few different places on the tables, I thought, I thought that looked really cool. Um, it was a unique uh, look, at least. Like, we don't typically get that face being blown apart, but he's still talking, um, and then the face just kind of blows away in the wind there. I thought it was cool. Uh, I love the callback that we get here with Chaz uh, being able to, you know, talk a little smack to the bouncer uh, as he was able to get into the club. But where's he been? Like, I think it would have been cool to have more of him tagging along with John and Angela on this journey. Like, yes, yes, maybe him being the full-time driver. Because they travel to a few different places, maybe he drives them everywhere. Um, yeah, just to be there. But that's okay. Uh, less is more, is what um, the announcer on Angels in the Outfield. That's what he said. Less is more. Remember Wally. But 
the chair scene. So I said the same thing. Like, it's insane. It's very intense, the scene. It looks great. And, uh, you know, we can certainly understand the magnitude of it with Papa Midnight smashing a scepter into the ground there and causing all that. Like, it looked it looked crazy. Right. But what exactly did it accomplish? Like, I, that's what I put. Like, it's just kind of, kind of pointless, but it's okay. Um, and then, man, uh, we get some more just great-looking special effects as he sets off the sprinklers and the demons or whatever they are start melting. I thought that was really cool. Uh, and then my dog Chaz comes in, comes in and saves the day. See, he should have been there with him all along. But, uh, you know, it's very creepy when she's in hell and then she just rises up out of the pool. I thought that was well done. And then the the de- with the demon trying to escape her stomach, I thought that looked pretty good. Um, we've certainly seen worse effects that in movies that have come out since 2005. So I, oh, I thought yeah. for what oh, it was, yeah. it looked great. Um, and, and it's also just great cinematography, great choices in, in angles and lighting and, and everything in that set of scenes there. And then RIP, man, my dog Chaz got slammed off the ceiling and off the floor like a bouncy ball. Um, didn't like that, but, uh, you know, it looked pretty cool. It looked pretty. Yeah. Looked pretty good. So overall, man, uh, I really enjoyed this set of scenes because I, I could just tell. Now, unlike Mike, I definitely didn't know there was 38 minutes to go or however, whatever you said there. Because I, this is one of those movies, man. I honestly I like, paused I, it to check. Sorry. <laughs> I get it. It's 121 minutes long. But I can honestly say, like, I've never – I didn't know that it was two hours long until, like, I was getting ready to do this show. Like, I – Maybe it's just because I'm, I'm biased. I like Keanu Reeves so much, and I and I like this movie so much. But I, I don't feel the runtime. So at this point, I'm like, man, we're we're really setting up for a pretty spectacular finish. I do want to point out, I actually don't feel the runtime in this movie. I just was curious how much longer there was, but it wasn't like, oh man, come on, get this over with. It was more like, well, how much longer is it? It I actually don't think the runtime hurts this movie at all. I know. I know, over wow. ninety minutes, well, but it, oh, wow. but I actually think a shorter version of this movie would have made it worse. Le- yeah, Hilda. you'd have left out too yeah, much yeah. stuff. And I, yeah. I think the pacing of the action of this movie is yes. perfect for a movie that's two hours. Like if it would have if they would have spaced stuff out even more, it you would have felt the runtime. Yeah, I got I'm sorry, but I gotta disagree with y'all. This ending with John talking to Satan and Gabriel drags and drags and drags. Now that part does drag. Finally, that's part but, does. But, but here's the ending. Guys. I don't think it does. <laughs> here's the ending, guys. John stands up. Into the light I command thee, he repeats. He repeats it as Gabriel drops down on him, pressing her foot to his throat. I am seeking to simply inspire mankind, Gabriel says. And there's a lot of dialogue here, and I did not write it all down, so just bear with me. She says, you just have to repent, and God takes you into his bosom. If sweet God loves you, I'll make you worthy of his love. I'll bring you pain, horror, so that you may rise above it. He calls her insane. The road to salvation begins tonight. She blows on him until he's crashed into a glass double door. Gabriel walks over to Angela. I know I'm not one of your favorites, but I could use a little attention. Please, he says to God as he grabs a piece of glass. He removes his watch as Gabriel tells the demon and Angela to come forth. John cuts his wrist and says, hurry. Mammon, son of Satan, I unleash you into this world, she says as she pulls out the spear. She goes to stab Angela, but she becomes frozen. Satan descends in front of John. He sits down in front of him. You're the one soul I would come up here to collect myself. He tries to light a cigarette but drops the lighter. He cut his tendons. Satan lights it for him. John asks, how's the family doing? 
He tells Satan they have the spear of destiny. Satan laughs and asks if it's another one of your covens. He tells him to go look to go look himself. Satan shatters the glass doors walking through them and sees Gabriel hovering Angela. Satan moves her body and Gabriel stabs the ground. Gabriel calls him names and goes to punch him, but stops in front of his face. Her hand is pushed away. Looks like someone doesn't have your back anymore. Satan destroys her in front of him. He walks back to John and asks, what do you want, an extension? The sister Isabel, let her go home. You're willing to give up your life so she can go to heaven? He says, fine, it's done. Time to go, John. He puts out a cigarette and is dragged away. However, Satan can't pull him. John seemingly stuck into the ground. A bright light appears and Satan says, the sacrifice. John shoots Satan a bird as he grabs him, saying, you will live, John Constantine. He drops him to the floor. You will live. He and Angela awake. He walks over to her and she thanks him. No problem. And he grabs a spear of destiny. Gabriel awakes and he says she doesn't deserve to be human. She says, do it as she hands him the gun. Go on in my life. Be the hand of God. He punches her in the face. That's called pain. Get used to it. She says he chose a higher path. Look how well you're doing. We're on the roof of the hospital and they overlook the city. He gives Angela the spear. She says, how thoughtful. He tells her to hide it. No one will be able to find it. Not even me. I've got some cleaning up to do, he says. And she says, I'll see you around. I'd like that, he says, as she walks away. I guess there's a plan for all of us. I had to die just to figure that out. He works in mysterious ways. Some people like it. Some people don't. Credits roll and then post-credit scene shows John at Chaz's grave. You did good, kid, as he leaves the lighter on his tombstone. He turns around and sees Chaz with angel wings and he flies into the air. All right, Brian, what would you think about the ending? First of all, like I'm, I'm shocked that you uh, watched the after credit scene. Second of all, the one soul I would have come up here to collect myself. God, that's so badass! How do you not just love that line? Um, but the the ending to me, I think is phenomenal. Like I touched on it in the open, but Peter Sormerus Lucifer, holy shit! Like what casting, man! Like he is absolutely phenomenal here. I'm so glad they didn't try to make Satan some like quote, like, big boss, you know, from, like, a video game either. Um, I think the way they handled it and presented him was perfect. Uh, the visuals were stunning. Uh, could have maybe done without John calling him Lou, though. I don't know. That was a little too informal to me. But the visuals of him reaching in and, and like, curing his cancer, essentially, like, well, ow, that was just beautifully done. Like, the effects were great. Um, but, yes, yeah, Storm Air was perfect. Um a little fun fact, Constantine slits his wrist. A wrist, he starts with his left, and uh, and Lucifer reaches out to claim him with his left hand. And that kind of keeps with the whole traditional depiction of the left being like the sinister side, you know, being associated with evil the most. Um, and yeah, man, just come on. Like, it's so badass with him flipping in the bird as he's ascending to heaven. Such, such a boss-ass boss, boss -ass move there. Um, and the last thing... You know, it's a it's a staple now, and I joked about you watching the uh, the after credit scene, Nico. But you know, this was the first true comic book movie post credit scene, which I joked with you, but I didn't even know it existed until Dustin told me about it last night. So, uh, and I mean, what's crazy? What's crazy is I didn't know it existed, but I was watching the movie on HBO Max, and then uh, as the credits started to roll, I started messing around on my phone. And just let the credits roll out. And then I hear the music stop and just happen to look up at my TV. And I'm like, oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> it was an accident. I had no idea as long as this movie's been out that it was a, uh, the first one to have the after credit scene. 
Uh, very cool. Very cool to see Chaz ascending to heaven as an angel. You know, even even though it was a it was a comically gigantic headstone, wasn't it? Pretty pretty large. But uh, I don't know. That stood out to me. Anyway, great ending. Great movie. Shocker! I did not see the after credit scene because as soon as I as soon as the credits hit, I was like, okay, because I'm not I'm not I don't stay for credit stuff ever, so it's my mistake. But the way you guys described it, that sounds like something I'd like to see because I like the character of Chaz. Um, okay, I, this like heel turn of Gabriel or whatever is fine, but like I I just don't buy it. Like it doesn't really work for me from a story standpoint. I I just kind of wanted her to be her own thing there, you know, on this side and, you know, Satan and them have their own people. Like, I just like the dividing line there and I don't really think it worked for me personally. Um, now, I mean, it's well acted and everything else, but I just, for whatever reason, it, it didn't hit with me and all the stuff with Satan is really slow. Like, I know you talked about some of the good visuals and yeah, that's there. Like I felt like a lot of this stuff where he's just kind of sitting and he's cutting his wrist and he's doing all this stuff. Like a lot of that just takes a long time to get to. It feel it's the only point of the movie that kind of just drags for me. Now I, I mean I, I like a good all's well that ends well kind of ending here where everyone's happy ish at least because he gets a third chance at life and he realizes that, that, that this was the plan the whole time. All that stuff like that's fine. I just wish we could have shortened that up to get to that. Like, it really did feel like everything with Satan and Gabriel just kind of drugged. Like, it just, like, once the Chaz death happens, it just kind of halts the movie for me, at least. And so, I don't really like the ending. The ending really falls flat. Like, I, you know, the last two sets of scenes just don't really hit home for me as much as the first half of the movie. But, um, all that being said, I mean, it doesn't kill it or anything. I'm still going to give it a decent rating. But, uh, yeah, the ending just doesn't really work. For me personally, it's not my cup of tea. So, uh, yeah, the finale is just a masterclass in special effects for me. Uh, just incredible stuff here, I think, with Satan expelling his son back to hell and Gabriel's wings catching fire. Um, and also, I like the look of Satan. Like, it was an interesting choice to have him dressed in all white linen suit, uh, barefoot with the tar. Like, it was interesting. Yeah. It's not what we typically get. Um, right. So, great choice there. Um, and then I really like the choice to have, you know, the, the decision to have Constantine do the selfless thing and get his redemption. Like, it's a great touch. It goes right back. Like I said, they laid the groundwork for this earlier. Um, you know, when he was talking to Gabriel the, the first time and not having Angela be his love interest makes it mean that much more to me. So I thought that was brilliant. And then I love the addition of Satan saying, okay, you're going to live. Well, I'm taking this cancer. So you'll have to live and, and experience hardship as, as a human life. Like I thought that was cool. Now, yeah. I'll be honest with you. First time I saw it, I, was, I didn't understand what he did. I was like, what's he doing? Just reaching into him and, and pulling his, like, he's just hurting him. That's all I thought, thought he was doing. But, uh, you know, I get a little older and watch it again. It's like, ah, okay, cool. He's taking the cancer out of his lungs. So now he has to live. I thought that was good. But overall, man, I think it's a, it's a really good ending to the movie. Like it, it's, it, we get closure on these loose ends. We get, you tie up the loose ends. Um, Gabriel's wings catching fire like that. And then, you know, uh, his Constantine's decision to not kill Gabriel, but just punch, punch him in the face and make him suffer. Uh, you know, feel real pain as a human. I thought that was 
uh, you know, a nice touch as well. It just, it, it really worked for me. So I liked uh, like pretty much everything. Now I texted you guys earlier this, uh, my man, Constantine, he might be a drip God. You heard him say earlier that this was a $200 shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> well, when he's laying on the, on the floor there and he takes his watch off and we get the zoomed in look that the, the clock has stopped. His watch has stopped to show us, you know, how time stood still when he died there uh, for that amount of time. Um, that watch is like anywhere from a 1500 to $2,200 watch. So my man's got, he's got some drip. Um, can't, can't knock it. I like it, but no, overall, I really liked this movie and the ending was very satisfactory to me. All right, guys, let's jump into our social media comments and questions. We'll knock out Twitter first. Uh, the only tweet we had was from Sean Irwin. Love this movie. Can't wait to hear y'all hate it. <laughs> well, not all Jeez. of us. I'm, uh, I'm switching my score. <laughs> all right, let's move over to Facebook now. Kevin Podoff said, great movie, awesome comic book character. Love this one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, good job, Matt. You picked a movie that Kevin liked. That's hard to do these days. <laughs> yeah. uh, Matt Strickland, big fan of the show, commented, an, an epic action-packed battle of good versus evil. Keanu did a tremendous job and really had me hankering for a cigarette. Stunning visuals throughout and a very entertaining watch. Great pick, Matt Sears. Okay. And I will jump over to Instagram. The only comment we have is from Matt. He says, I love a good anti-hero. A flawed main character always makes the story better to me. So a chain-smoking asshole exorcist condemned to hell, trying trying to buy his way into heaven, has my full attention. Sneaky good cast in this one. It feels weird to say, but Peter Stormare's portrayal of Satan is probably the best I've seen. Tilda Swinton is always great, and so is Rachel, is it Weiss? Who can call me sometime. We even get Gavin Rossdale from Bush for good measure. There's even a Michelle Mohanigan cameo, if you can spot it. I have many favorite lines, but a few of them are whispering to the demon before sending it back to hell. Tell him it's Constantine. John Constantine, asshole. And the often repeated line, you know, John, you're the one so he'd come up here to collect himself. What an asshole. He even gives Satan the finger when he's being pulled up to heaven. Great fun little film that I can always watch when it's on. Ten out of ten. Go ahead and write that one down, Dustin. Nice. All right. And that's it for social uh, yeah. media. If y'all got uh, fun facts, go ahead. A cameo that uh, he didn't mention there that I didn't have my fun facts, but it's there, so I'll note it. Domino Harvey. I don't know if you guys know who Domino Harvey is, but there's a movie that came out in 2005 called Domino, Kira Knightley. Uh, she was a badass bounty hunter. She's in this movie as one of the angels in the club. Thought that was cool. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Mother's Milk from the boys. No, I was going to leave that for you if you have it. But yeah, uh, Laz Alonzo, I believe is his name. Uh, yeah. Mother's Milk. This was very early in his career. I think he's a phenomenal actor. Who uh, he is. I want to see him in more stuff. But yeah, Mother's Milk from the boys. Recommend that show. Um, I got a few more fun facts. Do you, ha- you have any? Okay, I'll just go ahead and say these few then uh the character john constantine was originally created by alan moore uh during his run on dc comics as swamp thing oh that was a that was a comment not a period that fuck that sentence structure all up let me start over the (laughs) the character of john constantine was originally created by alan moore during his run on dc comics swamp thing however following his negative experience with from hell and the league of extraordinary gentlemen Moore decided to reject all money and credit from Hollywood on any adaptations of his work. Thus, he gave all the money he would have gotten to the artist who drew the character with him, 
and rejected his own created by credit from the film. That's something you don't see every day. Um, oh, cause originally, all three of those were awesome, especially from hell. So I don't know what he got. So pissed from about. hell is phenomenal. Yeah. I never saw a league of extraordinary gentlemen. Surprisingly, you, but. you wouldn't probably, I don't think you would like it, but I, I mean, it was all right. It's okay. Doesn't it have Sean Connery in it? But it does my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I originally Tarsum <laughs> Originally Tarsum Singh was attached to direct with Nicolas Cage to star. However, <laughs> the director said that with Cage I cannot make the film I had wanted to. Um, soon after Singh left the film, Cage did as well. Thank God. Listen, I know <laughs> that I burn bridges with Nicolas Cage every chance I get. I get it. Uh, he'll probably never come on the show because of me. I'm willing to wear that hat, man. No. <laughs> I like three good movies, Con Air being the best of them. But um, next up, Shia LaBeouf actually was recommended to producer Akiva Goldsman for the role of Chaz by Will Smith following his impressive performance in iRobot. thought it was pretty cool. This one really threw me for a loop just trying to picture how it would have played out. But Mel Gibson and Kevin Spacey were considered to star as John Constantine. Now, Kevin Spacey, no, no thank you. But honestly, I think Mel Gibson could have pulled it off. But I'm glad that I'm glad Keanu was cast. Like I said, he's my favorite actor, so I like it the way it is. But I could see Gibson doing it. Um, and then this last one, man. This film is included in the uh, on the film critic Roger Ebert's most hated list. Before I say what I'm going to say, is Roger Ebert, is he still with us or is he deceased? I can't remember. It doesn't he's matter. Deceased. I think I, I told him to suck he's a dick on one of our episodes. So uh, okay. He's no longer with us. So they're both deceased? Siskel and Ebert are deceased? As far as I believe, yes. Well, whatever, man. If he's alive, he's dead. Uh, respectfully, suck it, man. That's that's some bullshit. I love this movie. <laughs> he's not always right. Just because he's has a, a a column that goes way back doesn't make him right. Just means it's his opinion that you know well, that kind of sucks a lot of times. Not liking it's one thing, but to include it on your most hated list—that's sure. some BS, man. All right, so this movie was made from anywhere between seventy to one hundred million dollars, depending on where you look. Uh, it, that's a lot of the production budget, marketing budget, all that stuff. Made a cool two hundred thirty point nine million dollars at the box office. I wouldn't, so I wouldn't say that people were speeding out to go see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like it had mixed reviews from film critics, which kind of feels like they were playing hardball with this film. Sorry. Oh God. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm glad that uh, you know Keanu Reeves ended up being the replacement for <laughs> no, Nicholas Cage. Too. Oh, one of those, yeah. yeah. Sorry, oh, Brian. Oh my God, just... Nico, just go. <laughs> All right, guys, let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Who wants to kick us off? Uh, favorite kill for me was Balthazar, just because of the great effects and the magnitude of the death. Um, it just, and it just looked cool, man. And we don't get deaths like that where face is split in two and he's still talking and then he's withered away like i thought that was cool uh least favorite kill so well i didn't want chaz to die so i I didn't like that he died because that was my guy and i like shia labeouf think he's underrated but i'll say isabel just because you know this movie really flexed this muscle a lot with the effects that we got and everything looked great so i just think that with all the special effects that we got that went so well her jumping off a building into a pool and we didn't get to see any of it. We didn't see anything that there was no, no blood even uh, from her death. It just, it, it was disappointing as far as the on camera death part. Um, but as far as the movie goes, man, 
like I said, I love this movie. I, I think the casting is great. The acting is great. The uh, dialogue is great. The storyline is great. My only regrets is that they didn't give us more of an explanation in a lot of the, uh, you know, the relics and, and the meaning behind the symbols and stuff. If they had done that, I think this movie could easily get another full point. Um, but so much was left for me to figure out on my own or gather or, or just, you know, infer what the meaning was that I can't give it a perfect score. I give it an 8.75. All right, I'll go next. Uh, favorite kill. I'm going with, uh, father Hennessy really liked uh, his kill in the, in the convenience store. I thought it was great. And my least favorite kill. I agree with you, Dustin. Uh, I, I chose Isabel as well. Uh, Midsummer shows you how you, how you do a, a leaping death. Uh, <laughs> like that one much better because you actually see some stuff in it. Don't give me that look, Brian. <laughs> uh, I think I pretty much said how I felt, honestly. I think like the first 45-ish minutes is really good, entertaining. I think the opening scene is honestly really, really good with uh, John in the girl's bedroom getting the demon out of her. But the last hour, hour and 15 minutes, I am not a fan of, honestly. It it just drags and drags, and I'm just losing interest as I'm losing interest and as I'm losing more interest. It was honestly kind of a painful one to get through doing my scene by scene because I'm just ready for it to be over. Like the cast, but it's just not my cup of tea of a movie. I respect anyone else who likes it, but it's just not for me. I really didn't know what to rate it because it's not a bad movie. I just don't like it, if that makes any sense. So I'm just going to give it a cool 3.5. Oh, shit. <laughs> Holy crap! Okay, uh, hang on. Mike, is that that's is that what you gave uh, three from Devil's Rejects? From is hell? that around the same score as that? No, three from hell. I gave that a three point right? seven five. You like a Rob Zombie movie more than you know? I'll take my wins where I can get them. Oh, shut up, shut up, <laughs> get down, dude. I would watch the Devil's Rejects before this. I would. Oh my god! I would Where definitely watch it since it moved way up my rankings. Anyway, Jeez. Brian got. Me. Hey, all right. So uh, look, man, I. My favorite kill is actually the demon, if that counts in the beginning. Uh, I think that mirror kill is so cool. If, if we're counting demons, I think that's just the most visually cool idea that I think this movie has and presents it. I really, really enjoyed it. My least favorite is Chaz because not only do I not want him to die, but I don't think the kill is very good. He just kind of bounces off the ceiling and the floor a couple times, and that's it. And that's fine. It's realistic, I guess. But I don't know. It's just not very creative, and plus you're killing a character. I really like. So, yeah, I mean, the movie gets to a point where it really has me and then it loses me. I'm a little like Nico, although I like it a little more than him. I, I will say that. Um, look, I love the cast. I like the ideas of this movie. The, 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 the story elements that they have, I think, are really strong. And I just think it gets a little cheesy, over the top, kind of just wild for me in the last like 45 minutes or so. And I just think it takes too long to get to our final conclusion. But, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I mean, like, watching this final set of scenes is almost like being in some kind of matrix, you know? So all that being said, okay, what happened? <laughs> Can I say something? No. Well, okay, good. Not at all. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, with all that being said, I get this movie a 6.5. Hey, See, not so I'll bad. Not so bad. Okay. Mine's short and sweet. My favorite kill, Hennessy and the Drowning. Loved it, like I said earlier. My least favorite kill, I'm going to go with the uh, probably the bug demon thing on the roadside. I just I didn't like that whole, that whole bit there. Um, 
So I love this fucking movie. Just very few nitpicks I had. Knocked it down some, but not much. I actually gave it a nine. Great pick, Mike. Okay, so that gives us a uh, composite score of 7.55. Would have been much higher without that bullshit Nico pulled. But um, <laughs> <laughs> 7.55, has it as a flat 7, so we're pretty pretty close to him. Hey, see? We're still there. <laughs> Any more final thoughts, guys, for you shout out our blood donors and Brian can announce his pick to kick off the new year? No. All right. Uh, big thank you to all of our blood donors. Really appreciate y'all. Camper level reoccurring, Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, Brian Samick, and Gail Koontz. Camp Counselor Reoccurring, Hunter Nelson, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez-Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis, and the Too Close to Home Podcast, Heather Smith, Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia, Adrian Aiello, Jake Hambrick, Clay Moore, and Karen, uh, our new legendary blood donor, Matt Strickland, and shout out to Matt's ears. I'm sorry it took us so long to get to your review, brother, but I appreciate your patience. And uh, right. thank you to all of our blood donors. Y'all are amazing. Uh, Brian, you want to announce your pick for to kick off the new year for our first uh, freelance pick month? Yeah, I just I, I felt like, I mean, we did uh, part two already, so I kind of felt like we needed to go back to, to part one. It's uh, Fear Street Part 1, 1994. Um, you know, we've already done, we've talked pretty extensively about the whole series, but I think it's time we delve into my favorite uh, entrance in there or entry in the franchise. That's right, baby. You don't want to knock, knock on that door. You want to kick it down. Let's go. Oh, sorry. This guy. (sighs) (laughs) Well, I say, I'm just excited about the movie we're doing, fellas. All right. I'm excited for Fear Street. I'm excited for this whole month, honestly. Uh, this is going to be a great. This is going to be a great year for Don't Go Out There. Uh, now that the holidays have settled, you know I want to reach out to some more interviews that I think we're going to be able to pull off. I'm excited for those, and I, I, I y'all keep y'all's fingers crossed. I really hope we get these guests on because they're pretty incredible. Uh, thank you for another for three years of listening to us. That's uh, yes. kind of crazy to think about. We've been doing this show for over Wild. three years now. Uh, we got people all over the world messaging us, donating money to us. Uh, it means a lot to me. Uh, thank you again we to were Matt Sears. Before COVID was, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And thank you again to Matt Sears for the donation and uh, picking this movie. Sorry I'm not a fan of it. It's nothing personal, brother. But uh, y'all have a good one, and thank you for listening. Just want to remind everybody. Oh.